0: This guy, is the next Sangakari, he's the next Jai Warden, he's going to do it for 10 years. Test match powerhouse that they were in the early noughties. I mean, I think they won eight matches in a row at one stage. We won Uh, nine. Nine, Nine, exactly, yeah. Um, uh, (laughs) In like the first few months of 96, he scores a century, test century in Australia. He is MVP at the World Cup and then he goes to Singapore and he scores like the fastest ODI 50, the fastest ODI 100.
1: Welcome back to Sri Lankan Cricket Podcast. We have a very special guest with us today to have a chat about his latest book. Sri Lanka doesn't have a tradition of writing cricket books or sports books. So we don't see our cricketers write a book about their careers, even though Sri Lanka has achieved unbelievable success um, in world cricket for a small nation. When I came across your book, I was... I was lucky you sent it to me um, before it it even published. So, An Island Eleven, a book by Nicholas Brooks, he's joining us today to have a chat. Welcome to Sri Lankan Cricket Podcast. How are you? Hey, Vida, thanks so much for having me on. Um, Yeah, I'm doing great Uh, and lovely to be chatting with you. I've been following
0: the podcast for a long time while I was writing the book and stuff, so very cool to be on here at
1: last. (laughs) Thank you. Thank thank you for joining us. Um yeah, good to hear that you listen to our podcast as well. Thank you. Um so Nicholas, you live in UK and you write a book about Sri Lanka cricket and you spent two years in Sri Lanka, you you lived in Sri Lanka for two years writing this book. What made you write a book about Sri Lanka cricket? I'm sure there's a story behind uh, this. Yeah, um
0: I mean I guess the first thing that I would say, Vida, is that, so I was born in 1990, right? So um, my first memories of Sri Lanka cricket are like after 96 World Cup, uh, connecting with Sanath Jaya Surya on a like sort of almost spiritual level as a kid, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, just like watching his batting. There was something hugely exciting about Sri Lanka. And um, I think it's probably fair to say that like, my perception of what Sri Lankan cricket was as a kid Versus the like reality of Sri Lanka's actual standing in world cricket was pretty different. Um, you know, I didn't know anything about the sort of like inner workings, machinations of the game, and I just saw these like team of world beaters, and then going through the noughties, you know, where you've got them being in every major like World Cup final from 2007 to 2014. And so, I guess, I grew up with Sri Lanka feeling like they were a um, like a second team that played with a lot more character, a lot more personality than a lot of the teams in world cricket. I mean, you look at that era, and you've got some like incredibly unique cricketers, right? Like the likes of Morley, Malinga, Dilshan, Ajanta Mendis, Jasuria. I mean, guys just doing things in a totally different way. Um, and so like, there's I guess there's all that background, and then when I was an adult, and I started to like look into cricket i guess in a more academic way or try and understand it more deeply i was really surprised by uh the fact that sri lanka only got test dates in 1981 um the fact that everything before that seemed to be like a bit of a black hole like no one really had talked about or covered what happened in sri lankan history before then um and actually in terms of like I guess from an administrative standing that Sri Lanka, despite all their success was still kind of like treated by a minnow, you know, it's a smaller board with less cash who have to like battle for everything. Um, So there, you know, there are a lot of strands, but it was just, it just seemed like a unique untold story um, that also needed to be told now before more bits of the pretest history kind of slipped through the cracks and fell into the like disappeared into the ether, I
1: guess, to never return yeah um i mean it's a very long book i had to admit that <laughs> yeah. i haven't finished, finished the book yet so don't worry Peter. you're not alone <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i mean um i mean you were you were living in sri lanka and uh you're living in my uh rival school saint thomas's college um <laughs> uh in mount lavinia um and you know everyone knows school cricket is very big in Sri Lanka. And like you you mentioned about, you know, uh, successes uh, for Sri Lanka cricket over the years, especially in the last 20 years, that's got that lot got to do with that school cricket system where they produce lots of talented cricketers who will go on and play for their country. Like no one cares about who wins the first class tournament in Sri Lanka, but everyone won't. <laughs> Wants their school to win their big match, right? So tell us about that experience. Uh, living inside the school and you seeing how they play cricket, training, and I'm sure it has been a different. I mean, uh, different experience for you.
0: Incredible experience for me, Vida.
1: And I think like
0: the point you make about first-class cricket is really interesting. Uh, <laughs> like the whole time I was in Sri Lanka, I don't think I heard anyone uh, like confess a club allegiance be like i support ncc or i support tamil (laughs) union Uh, like that. that just doesn't exist right but then you go you meet some like i would meet a 75 year old man and someone's like this guy opened for thurston in 1965 or whatever um so you know that real like it takes some getting your head around that reversal where the tradition of schools cricket is so much more important than the club cricket like history and you know i thought when i started this book that i was going to be looking into club cricket who won the daily news in like 1978 and actually it just it doesn't register at all on anyone's kind of radar um so it i mean i was very aware from earlier on that school's cricket was a hugely important tradition in sri lanka especially the royal thomian um I was hugely lucky because my first call to St. Thomas's when from London, I just called them over Skype. Somehow I found a number online and it put me straight through to Father Roshan Mendes, who's the associate yeah. chaplain there. He's cricket crazy. Yeah. His son, Johan, uh, plays for Tamil Union. And I don't know how I ended up getting connected straight to him. It was one of these real moments of serendipity, because I think if I'd spoken to anyone else, I wouldn't have made the St. Thomas's connection. (laughs) But he was um, a cricket obsessive, and he was really chuffed that I was doing this. So he invited me in. um, And then, you know, we had a long interview, and I got to see the school. And as soon as I mentioned to him that I was thinking of moving to Sri Lanka, uh, he was, you know, straight away facilitating it so that I could um, come and you know teach at St. Thomas's and work there and it which was an amazing experience. Um, you know just uh, I had a room sort of right abutting the cricket ground and seeing Ooh, cricket yeah. being played pretty much every day you know I, I think I said in the book you know the guys in the first 11 it's like they're in a cricket yeah. academy right you rarely see them in school uniform no. uh, they practice like pros you know I'd wake up in the morning they're practicing I'd come home in the evening they're practicing. Um, I mean, and compared to England, where you know I grew up at school playing exclusively like one-day matches, time-day matches, mm-hmm. or forty-over matches, where you know Saint Thomas's must play fifteen, twenty-two-day matches every season, that. and then culminating in the three-day Royal Thomian, which yeah. I mean that's just the most incredible event, right, Vida? I mean, you've played in it, so you know better than yeah. I. But um, I arrived in Sri Lanka in April, so I had like. The whole year teaching at St Thomas's to build up towards the Royal <laughs> Thomian in March, um, and like by the time it came around, I was just like so excited, and I'd heard so much about it, and um, but nothing can kind of prepare you for being there, right? And the yeah. fact that everyone tells you it's louder than any ODI or any Test match that you go to, um, and you kind of, you, I, yeah, until you like see it, uh, it's just it's a really unique thing.
1: yeah nada you mentioned you you said it right like if you want to experience that you have to go to sri lanka um in february march that's where the big matches been played and it's crazy atmosphere you get people coming down from america england canada australia just to watch this school game it's 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 massive and uh, they have lots of fun and like they talked about they talk about their old stories and it's it's amazing experience Uh, (laughs) See you 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 got me started talking about school cricket (laughs) Um, (laughs) and here goes the whole interview (laughs) (laughs) so um, I was on holiday in Sri Lanka when I started reading your book uh, and you have gone to great lengths to find out about the origins of um, cricket in Sri Lanka and it must have been a challenge um, to find out about early stories and the records. For example, I didn't know that uh, 8,000 people turned up to Goldface to watch WG Grace. Bad. So that's that's amazing. Like, I've never heard of this. So, uh, must have been really hard for you to find these records. How did, how did you do that? Tell us about that. I mean, it, it was tough because of
0: like uh, uh, cause of the paucity of literature, I guess, out there. You know, there really isn't a lot of stuff. But I was hugely indebted to um, those who have written on Sri Lanka before me. So S.P. Fonander, who I think was like the first real chronicler of yeah. Sri Lankan cricket going back to the early part of the 20th century. And then S.S. Pereira more recently, who yes. I'm sure you've seen his Janashakti book, right, Vida? Yeah, which yeah, is yeah. just like... I mean, I thought mine was a tome, but yeah, that's a book that can really kill someone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's my um, sense, yeah. <laughs> uh, So I was hugely indebted to those guys. And then also um, the Colombo archives, which oh, were great. Yeah. And, you know, they've still got um, lots of newspaper on microfilm going back actually to the 19th century, oh, which right. was you know, um, like, laborious going through it but amazing seeing these old colombo newspapers from like the 1890s early 1900s and um as you say like i think especially due to the whistle stop tradition um which came about because of like nothing to do with cricket just the pure uh happenstance that the suez canal made colombo like a stopover point between uh between england and australia that adds such a fantastic element to sri lankan cricket history because you get guys like grace and bradman visiting and you know i mean bradman only played cricket in england he did one tour i think to america and canada but he played to came to sri lanka twice and you know yeah, all yeah. these new zealand never had him uh, south africa never had him the west india. indies never had him india never had him uh so i mean that's kind of amazing that sri lanka who were well outside the icc you know kind of this little island marooned um had these galaxy of stars visiting um and you know these were kind of moments that for um the colombo crowds who uh like i think were quite passionate about cricket even then but were um I guess, weren't that well-nourished. They just had to survive on, you know, a few local club matches to see these guys who they'd heard about on the radio coming through town. Yeah. Um, I mean, they were real events and they really helped to kind of, uh, like, yeah, nourish, I think, a collective sort of cricket imagination.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm sure, I mean, um, I'm sure when when they started playing these games, these uh, whistle-stop games, as you call it, um, they must it must have been the British who was living in Sri Lanka, they must have put up a team and played. Then and you mentioned in the book where the the Sri Lankans they joined the team and you know they started doing well and the, the um the interest among the among the public increased and so so it's amazing. Like I'm glad you you decided to write this book because these these things we have a very rich history in cricket and it, uh, i mean i um, i said i haven't finished the book but i'm so far um i'm hooked but yeah it it's i'm so glad you did this <laughs> um
0: uh, well i'm so glad it's gone down well vida because you know like um one of the things you say there's a lack of um like books around sri lankan cricket which i mean that was something that i really noticed um when i moved to sri lanka and like I noticed that Sri Lanka, you know, has a really high literacy rate, but you don't see a lot of people reading books. And so I was like, you know, I traveled by train and bus a lot and I never saw anyone reading a book. So I was like, is this not going to land? And I felt like the tradition really has been for more of like an oral history. People love telling stories, you know, everywhere you go to every cricket club you go to, there's someone like holding court and telling a story, right? About something that happened from years back, um, But, yeah, it's strange that no one or that more people haven't um, put it down into words. And so I hope that I've
1: helped um, cement something and that more people will kind of follow up. Yeah, no, no. I mean, but it's funny you mentioned that. Um, I mean, people talk about these things. Like, there are lots of stories, history, but you're right. But once, I mean, like, when I was in Sri Lanka this time, you know I, I was talking to these uh, uncles and you know all the gentlemen's when i when i was you know having these uh, parties where where we <laughs> stay up till around 2 3 in the morning <laughs> drinking whiskeys and um um it's funny that when i mentioned about your book like they wanted to buy the book and i i looked up and it wasn't an in like it wasn't for the sale in sri lanka i was like oh oh now, what am i going to do then <laughs> I remember the end of your text is your book available in Sri Lanka? <laughs> so it's available now in Sri Lanka, isn't it? Thankfully
0: now it has reached Sri Lanka. Um, but you know, um there are I think there seem to be like some issues constantly on the supply lines between India and Sri Lanka. It's printed in Delhi. Yes. And so oh, yes. um it tends to come down to Sri Lanka and then copies run short, and then it takes a while for them to restock. Yes. Uh which is like, it's a shame. I had hoped that it would reach Sri Lanka first. Um, and it seems like ironic to have written a book about Sri Lankan cricket <laughs> that was available in India, uh, available in England. And then I've got people like messaging me on Twitter from Sri Lanka being like, how can I get this here? Uh, mm-hmm. Which was like, yeah, it, it, I felt really bad about that. So I'm glad that some copies have finally
1: landed. No, nah, no, nah, I'm sure. I'm sure they're all gone now. So it's because... <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, um, the other thing, one thing you we talked about, I mean, we're t- talking about early years of Sri Lanka cricket still. Um, cricketers from Sri Lanka have gone to England and to, then to Australia to play as professionals. As early as 1899, I, I mean, I found this in your book. I, would, I didn't know. So, you know, um, some have done really well, but They never really got opportunity to represent England, or sometimes not even a county. Like recent, there's like recent allegations about Lancashire counties. What do you say, racial discrimination and stuff? Like, you think some of the Sri Lanka's finest were robbed from opportunity to play in the biggest level, um, in a way? Yeah, no doubt,
0: Vida. I've got absolutely. Uh, I think the first guy to go was Alfred Holsinger. Uh, Yes who was, I think he was a Thomian and he was said to be like one of the fastest bowlers in 19th century Sri Lanka. And he went to a club in the Isle of Wight that yep. was a feeder for Hampshire. And he did amazingly. They dubbed him the Ride Ranjit Sinji. I think he took like six wickets in six balls and all 10 in the innings once. And there, I mean, there's no doubt that this guy was like leaps and bounds ahead of the other club cricketers that he was playing with. But he never got the opportunities to play in um, county cricket. And he was, you know, a real wayfaring cricketer. He travelled around, he played in like Lancashire leagues, Durham leagues, all over the country. Um, And sometimes he wasn't even called on to bowl. And so I think there's no doubt that he was... um, he faced discrimination and you see it coming up time and again uh like Churchill Gunasakura, who um you know won the county championship with Middlesex in 1920 and is the first Sri Lankan cricketer to really make a mark in England he tells stories about you know um the his first trial match at Cambridge how he was overlooked by a captain who just wouldn't include him on a team sheet and um even, you know, later, uh, 10 years, 10, 15 years later when FC De Serum goes to Oxford, I believe, not Cambridge, I get confused. Um, But, you know, he was passed over despite being probably, you know, the best batsman that they had seen in a couple of decades. And the only way he worked his way into the team was by playing in the minor counties um, for, I think it's Hertfordshire. Yeah. And, you know, he, so he doesn't play any sort of formal cricket for uh, I think his first kind of like 10, 12 months of being in England. Then he goes into the minor counties, does amazing, comes straight into the university side. And he, I think immediately scores 170 against Gloucestershire, Mm -hmm. uh, goes on from there to score a big hundred against the Australians. And so like, I think there's no doubt that um, the first Sri Lankan cricketers uh, were, did face prejudice. Um, Mm -hmm. I spoke to Mano Panaya, who then went to oh, yep. one of the English universities in the 60s, and he said that he didn't. He said that, you know, that Fst the Serum did by the time that I got there, everything was um, a, a lot easier. And actually, at that time, it's really interesting. I think 50s and 60s, you start to see a lot of Sri Lankan cricketers um, Playing first class cricket in England, guys like Gamini Gunasena, Clive Inman, Stan Jassinger, Laddie Outscorn was there a bit before. You got Dan Pearshall. So, you know, there's a real kind of little Lankan English scene. And I think definitely Clive Inman and Gamini Gunasena um, weren't a million miles away from uh, being recognized by England. Uh, We're still waiting for our first like Lankan English cricketer. I know you guys have had some in Australia. Yeah. But I mean, I think Guian Mendes wasn't far off in the '80s, Um yeah. and um, I'm hoping that someone emerges now. I'd love to see a English cricketer of Sri Lankan origin.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Although no, I say that, actually, I think I think Dimitri Mascarenus might have had some Sri Lankan heritage. If I'm not wrong, you might yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. I
1: think. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure what the connection is. Yes, he has a he has a Sri Lankan connection. He had a Sri Lankan connection. But you guys have had
0: Dave Watmore and um uh Ashton Agar, I saw his mum's yes. Sri Lankan. Yes. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And um there's there are a few um few Sri Lankans who's who's playing here in Victoria who are doing well. And it's good that now they get opportunity. There's a there's a guy who plays for Melbourne Renegades. Um he's been doing well, he's he represented Victoria as well. Um, there's another batsman, uh, Ashley Chandra Singer. He, he scored 100 uh, on his debut. So, oh, so you know, yeah, so they're, they're making breakthroughs and they're doing well. So, it's a good trend. So, um, yeah.
0: And I mean, there's a pretty strong uh, like scene of Sri Lankan cricketers around Melbourne, right?
1: Yes, yes, there's It's like a mini Sri Lanka Melbourne.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've got to come, I've got to come see it for myself.
1: No, you'll have to. Yeah, yeah. It's like when when you when you watch a game at MCG, it's like uh, there, there's papery bands and basically it's half oh, of the Oh, Wow,
0: amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: so like um, that's that. Talking about early years, then um, then we started representing the World Cups. Then everything changed after '96 World Cup, and then after after that next. Twenty years has been like the golden era for Sri Lanka. Um, I mean, we 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 were basically playing almost every semi final um, uh, in the World Cups, and we managed to win two World Cups as well. So from where we were, and we started being this dominant side. What what do you think about that era where we? You know, I mean, I remember we, we used to beat India, um, like, for fun. Like, <laughs> they couldn't win a game. <laughs> <either>. <laughs> what do you think? Um, about
0: I, I mean, it's it's such an incredible story, right? I think starting with 96, like, uh, you look at where Sri Lanka were 18 months before that tournament. Uh, and you think they're miles away from being world champions. And it all, like, everything came together so quickly. And um, I think also Arjuna's, like, tactics throughout that tournament, right? Being um, able to play seven specialist batsmen because of the part-time spinners, uh, opening with Sanath and Kalu, who are just, like, looking to tee off from ball one, uh, committing to, like, strangle by spin, you know, the way the fielding improved in the, uh, like, months and years leading up to that tournament, like, everything. It was just, like... uh, a perfect storm and sri lanka seems to be playing a different game to yeah. everyone else uh and then i think what's incredible to see is that the um the confidence that that like you know that flooded into the side in the wake of that i always talk about um jaya Surya, who had like you know the first what six seven years of his international career we'd seen like the talent coming in real drips and drabs and then in like the first few months of '96, he scores a century, Test century in Australia. He is MVP at the World Cup, and then he goes to Singapore and he scores like the fastest ODI fifty, the fastest ODI hundred. Yeah. And I mean, I think that whole like '96, '97, the late part of the '90s, you've got just Sanath and Aravinda, two world-class batsmen who are making things incredibly difficult for op- opposition bowlers in tests and odi cricket and um then that, the way that that became a springboard for like what i call uh sri lanka's second golden generation i mean you look at the cricketers who are there around you know the first part of the 2000s i mean you've got prime primarily prime vas and uh then like the depth of batting when you think mm-hmm. you've got Jaya Surya, Atupatu, Sangakara, Jaya mm-hmm. um Aravinda's still there, Tilakaratne comes yeah, back, yeah, you've got yeah. Dilshan, you've got Samara Awera. I mean, that's like those, that's nine batsmen that I just named who are like you'd all say at one stage in the or an, another in their career were world-class. I mean, so I think it was great to see, you know, um, like, Also, that 96... I mean, Sri Lanka in the 90s, I was just thinking about it before I spoke to you, Vida. They were pretty unreliable as a test team, right? Yeah. Um, And then the way that um, that ODI success kind of springboarded into creating actually um, like a test match powerhouse that they were in the early noughties. I mean, I think they won eight matches in a row at one stage. We won Uh, nine. Nine. Nine, Yeah. Um, uh, (laughs) And I guess like... uh, I think the one probably thing that you could say about the one criticism you could level at Sri Lanka as a test side is that they've never found a consistent formula to win outside of Asia. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then, you know, like all teams struggle more away from home. Like, I guess you could say England have never found a consistent way to win in Asia. So like, you know, it's, uh, um, it's, it's, um, I guess that is the kind of final frontier, but I mean, there've been some huge results. I, um, away from home. Like I think of when Mahela took over as captain and, uh, Sri Lanka came here to England in 2006, mm-hmm. that series is like, uh, kind of like seminal one, where, you know, that great escape at Lord's setting up a t- test series draw. And then like the clean ODI sweep where you're just like, they're on a different level to England. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. so, <laughs> uh Um, but no there's some some amazing years uh for sri lanka i chose to finish the book at 2014 because that seems to me like the end of the yes the good stuff um the last i mean i can't believe it's almost been a decade since then now the last decade's been tougher but um i always say like you know even in a decade which no self-respecting sri lankan fan would celebrate you know there's been like a 3-0 3-0 Test Series victory against Australia at home. Um
1: yeah.
0: gone to South Africa and become the first Asian side to sweep a test series there, beat England to a champions, you know, at the 2019 World Cup. Um won the Asia Cup against all odds last year. So yeah. you know, like they're still good days, right? And um yeah. Sri Lanka is still playing good cricket in flashes. It's just like the consistency, which seems to be really problematic.
1: No, I think you nailed it. You you mentioned it like you, you said it Perfectly. I think you talked about the way we played. I think we found uh, a, a brand of cricket, our brand of cricket. Then they had the confidence to go out there and um, do that. Um, that's what that's what was behind our success in those 10 years. And um, after 2014, obviously we lost those um, big name players. And there were a few individual brilliance performances where you can win a series or a game but we haven't produced them um, consistently I think we haven't adapted uh, to the new way of playing cricket that's that's what I think Um, because cricket has changed a lot since 2015 up until now like I mean we were very competitive then I think we've lost lots of lot of ground that's why we can't he can't be up there but this new group of players they they are promising and you know but yeah it, it's a tough gig it's as a fan and a former player it's 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 disheartened to see that but yeah what, what do you think what, as from looking from uh, yeah i think like, you, i think you're right to like, like
0: strike on the changes from 2015 vida and i think that um having sort of hardly any Sri Lankan players playing franchise cricket as well, kind of, um, like, uh, accentuated that gulf. So it's great now to see so many, uh, members of the team playing in franchise leagues around the world. Uh, like I feel like when I left Sri Lanka, which was March, 2020, like the start of COVID pandemic, um, I think Mickey Arthur had just arrived and they'd just been like that West Indies series. So like, uh, where they won, I was like starting to feel a tiny bit of optimism, but not a lot. Um, and (laughs) now I feel like things are in a much better place, especially on the bowling side of things. I mean, like the, both the seam bowling and the spin bowling stocks seem pretty deep. Uh, but it's, um, the batting like consistency, right? I was, um, the, not the last T20 World Cup, the one before that, I thought um, like that was a breakout tournament for Charitha yeah. And And, uh, you know, like I get really overexcited when I see a couple of innings and I'm like, this guy, is the next Sangakari, he's the next Jai Ward, that he's, he's going <laughs> to do it for 10 years. And then um, you're like, where does that go for the next 18 months? I mean, I felt a bit slightly the same with Banuka, who had um, a really good IPL last year. And then since yeah, then, no. you're like, where... Uh, Yeah, Asia Cup. Yeah. And then it's just the form kind of seems to like just (laughs) come. And uh, uh, so, and I don't know. It seems uh, the other thing is that's strange is for me, like um, for a long, long time, Sri Lanka always had a line of like world class batsmen that were coming through. Um, But it doesn't seem like anyone's come through in a while. Uh, I guess you could. Maybe say since Matthews and Chandimal, uh like the next generation who've come through. I like I had really high hopes for Kusal Mendes, and he kind of finally seems to be going on a, a right trajectory. Yeah. But I don't think he's gonna be the player that any of us kind of hoped he'd grow into. I think you know that generation of um, you know, guys like Kusal Dananjaya, Digwela, um, they haven't maybe produced the way that. Sri Lankan fans hope that they would um like you again another one is like Kusal Pereira, who since that inning's in Durban oh, I mean I can't think of too much of consequence that's happened and then he's been injured and you know like has not reappeared for like a year and a half uh so I mean I, I think I, what I'm saying in a really long-winded way is the batting's the problem right in yeah. all of the formats finding batting consistency um in t20 cricket it seems like finding players who can strike at like 135 140 150 is a real issue uh i don't know i think maybe in test cricket sri lanka seem to be uh like a lot more a better setup to succeed it's definitely yeah. at home but then you've got this other issue where like there are these huge chasms gulfs in the calendar right so like we last played against pakistan um which I can't even remember when that was because it feels like a really long time ago and I don't think Sri Lanka has another test until like New Zealand in March. No.
1: No.
0: Um, And, you know, a lot of people in England talk about too much cricket, um, but really it's like too much cricket for England, India and Australia, right? Where uh, everyone else is being... Like, yeah, everyone else is being kind of left by the wayside. And um, so there are issues, but... um, I think there's lots of cause for optimism as well. Yeah.
1: No, I think you're absolutely right. Um, I mean, one thing we did in the last year was we gave a good run to those players you mentioned. So, hoping that we will, you know, make them a better cricketers, and in the long run, we'll they'll they'll be the players we want them to be. Um, so I think because of the way we are going, as you mentioned, we are not getting enough cricket. The big three gets most of the test matches and um, looks like um, the 50-over cricket is dying uh, and the T20 cricket will dominate in the next 10 years? I don't know. What do you think? What do you think about the future of cricket going to look like? I think the 50 over format is definitely the one facing
0: the most immediate jeopardy. Uh, But I think the future of Test cricket is also on shaky ground. Uh, I was doing some stuff looking into South Africa cricket recently and I noticed that they've got like in the next uh, you know, what do you call it, Future Tours program, they've got like a third less tests than India, England, Australia, and I saw, you know, a guy from an SAC exec saying, you know, we've basically like chosen to do that ourselves so we can host the SAT20 in the height of our summer and uh, generate good money from T20 franchise cricket. And I think that that's a worrying trend that we're going to see more of around the world. Um, Having said that, I think that LPL is going to be really crucial for Sri Lankan cricket uh moving forward i would like to see it like i mean it's run what three or four editions now and um they've all been kind of centrally hosted i would like to see it develop into a like tournament that gives sri lanka regional hubs right so you've got the jaffna team based in jaffna the ghoul team based in ghoul um and i feel like you know i've talked like until I'm blue in the face about how the club cricket system and the lack of regional centres has like slowed Sri Lanka's development and has meant that you have um, like a situation where I don't think Sri Lanka has come close to tapping its full potential. Um, you know, as far as I know, there's never been a cricketer, a national cricketer from the east coast. Uh, I think if you look at Jaffna, you've got um, this guy in the sixties see Balakrishnan, who played briefly before going to become a doctor in america and then there's no one wow. until right up to into uh forgive my pronunciation in advance vijayakant vijayakant yes. who's like but you know so like there's a hole in jaffna cricket and i mean uh most the like most of the cricketers are still coming from western province uh yeah. whereas you know you know cricket's hugely popular throughout sri lanka so um i think if the lpl could segue into like having you know having kind of regional hubs where uh cricketers from the north or cricketers from the hill country have like more opportunities to um and more access to good Mm -hmm. facilities that would be a really big help um so that's one thing that i think um and i i mean i don't know whether also the provincial you know first class system it's been touted for 30 years and nothing seems Mm -hmm. to have ever kind of come from it because club cricket's so ingrained um i don't know whether that's something that could help sri lanka kind of um to tap more of its potential especially from the rurality uh but i think i've been it's been positive like i've seen like i've been pleased with the way the lpl has progressed over the past few years and i think that um that's something that's exciting for sri lanka's future uh because like When I was there, there was no T20 tournament, Um, you know, and you were like, how has Sri Lanka fallen behind, Um, like Bangladesh and Afghanistan and like Canada, um, who have all organized like kind of franchise-esque T20 tournaments. So I'm glad that Sri Lanka's got that in place. Um, But the structure of domestic cricket is still an issue, right, Vida?
1: Yeah, no, no, you're right. Like, it's the same story. Like, we, we're we going around in circles. Of, if you talk about this, like, this has been the story for the last 20, 30 years. You mentioned LPL. Like, what we need is continuity. Um, We need to keep it going every year after year. I mean, that way you get um all these players who are playing cricket in Sri Lanka. Like, they... They have their lives as well, so they have to look after their families. So, if these things should continue, then they have the faith that okay, this is something that's going to happen every year, then you know, I'm going to give 100% to this. Otherwise, people, players will, once they turn 30, they'll leave Sri Lanka to go to England, go to Australia, and we lose those experienced players, and that affect the quality of the tournaments in Sri Lanka. So that has been a problem. For no, you. exactly Maybe. Vida.
0: So, um, like providing that financial security for players is crucial because, um, you hit on the 30 thing. And yeah. like, for me, that's massive because it's something that's existed throughout the whole history of Sri Lankan cricket. Yes. Like, I went back to, <laughs> um, you know, when I spoke to like Michael Tissera and David Hine, they were like, um, at 30, I was done. I had to, David High moved to England to like because he thought that he could support his family better that way. Tissera basically was still in Sri Lanka working for a tea broken company, but he almost yeah. stopped paying, playing cricket because he had to support his family. And then it was the same when I spoke to uh, you know, like Siddharth Watamuni, he said the same thing. And I think it was the same for guys like uh Ravi Ratnayaka, yeah. Shanta Demel. Yeah. And, I mean, the fact that it's still happening, I mean, not so much with the international cricketers, but with club cricketers uh, who are, you know, still leaving the Sri Lankan game at 30 to go and seek, like, greener financial pastures. Um, <clears throat> that's really, like, really sad and wrong and really damaging for Sri Lankan cricket, that kind of talent drain And, um, yeah, like, I think to grow and... Sri Lanka needs to be able to hang on to their best and brightest,
1: right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, when you look at broadcasting wise, we are in a great spot. We are right next to India. And you know, that's where the that's where you get people who watch cricket. India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, that's Middle East. We are in, in a in a great position to host these tournaments. <laughs> we just have to find a window and play it every year. That's all we have to do. And I mean, now you have lots of players who are like free agents, like West Indies players, um, South African players. You can get quality players to come and play these tournaments. So it's just a matter of having a structure and, um, you know, make sure it happens every year and, you know, we'll we'll get this. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And I mean, like the trend that we've um recently seen of the IPL owners buying franchises, you know, in like South Africa and the IL20. Yeah. I mean, I think if that was to happen in the... LPL you know it will be huge and uh what is it five teams at the moment I don't see any reason why you know like like the LPL can't expand to eight teams and have two Colombo sides and you know if it gets a better window get um more attract more like you know international stars but um yeah as you say it's just like it's consistency isn't it Vida and um you know when you have shit going on like the names change every year and um like <laughs> you know the oh there's all like uh, yeah it, it, that doesn't help right and it's played okay. at different times and like Patham nusanka doesn't get selected in the draft and then suddenly he's brought in you're like well, just like what the hell's going on <laughs>
1: um yeah no nah, no nah, you're right i mean if we if you start talking about troubles and solutions <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> that's the whole different road yeah we'll (laughs) we'll we'll spend all day here um (laughs) i mean this this has been great nicholas i mean i can't wait to finish the book um anything else you want to add and anything else we we couldn't touch
0: no i think that's absolutely everything just um thank you so much for having me on man you know i really appreciate it and um yeah the book's available in stores in um india uk sri lanka there's a couple of online outlets where you can pick it up in um, australia and the us too so um if you're a fan of sri lankan cricket uh pick up pick up a copy and i
1: hope you'll enjoy it fantastic we'll add those links uh, in the show notes as well so then you can check it out if anyone wants to reach out to you uh, where can they find you Nicholas, um, they can hit me up on
0: Twitter. Vida, it's at Brooks Writes Brooks with an E B R O K E S. Um, my DMs are open, so if anyone wants to um ask a question or tell me that I've gotten something in the book completely wrong, I am <laughs> uh, like looking forward to
1: hearing from you. <laughs> now fantastic, we'll like add those links as well. Um, this has been fantastic. I'm thoroughly enjoying reading the book. Um, so uh, hopefully, this is this is start of a series so we'll see a few more books coming about Sri Lanka cricket hopefully I hope so man. yeah um well.
0: like as I said in the prologue um like this book is just a starting point and I really meant that because you know I was very I was constrained by how much time I had uh how many words I had uh the interviews that I could get you know because I was an unknown writer and like yeah. no one I mean people in Sri Lanka were very welcoming I shouldn't get that wrong it was a lot easier than in England but it's Mm -hmm. hard you know as an unknown writer saying can I come and interview you for this book I'm writing so um like you know this isn't the whole story this isn't the finished article about Sri Lankan cricket um I'm very aware of that it's my take from um what I was able to do in the time and words that I had and so I look forward to like
1: more books on the subject definitely fantastic can't wait i'll finish this one first then then hopefully by the time <laughs> you'll, you'll hear the then next then get one to write video. your own vida <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for joining us hopefully we'll catch up soon and have a chat about cricket soon thank you
0: anytime thanks so much Vida, and have a great weekend
1: okay bye-bye
0: cheers man bye-bye